Welcome to On Course, the teaching ministry of Pastor Hart Ramsey. And the wisdom of God transcends, it lifts you over. Where we offer simple biblical insight into some of life's most pressing issues. Love is a manifestation of strength. The Holy Spirit produces nothing but strength in us. I want to show you. Prepare for the next few minutes to be encouraged, enlightened, and inspired. Let's join Pastor Ramsey and get on course. Uh, I want want to give you this off the top, and I want to jump right into the lesson. It is often said that hurting people hurt people, but the truth is the other things that hurting people do. Number one, hurting people fear people. When, when you've been hurt in life, um, you tend to see the same characteristics or the same traits of the person or people that hurt you in everyone. And so what happens is when you, when you have a person that's been hurt, they, they, they're afraid to trust. They have this fear of trusting or giving themselves to people or, or being comfortable around people. So if you've been hurt, you're probably dealing with great fear in your life. Number two, hurting people also um, need to interact with loving people. If you're hurting, okay, many times what we do is we'll tell people that's a hurting person, stay away from them, they're going to hurt you. But really hurting people need loving people around them because love is stronger than anything else. The Bible says perfect love, uh, when love is perfected, it casts out fear, it drives fear out. You got it? And let me tell you what that that means because last week I tried to explain it, I don't think I I nailed it, I want to nail it this week. God has a perfect love for us. But if we don't believe in that love, although his love is perfect, we'll still be afraid of him. It's when we get a revelation of it, when we get a perfect glimpse of God's perfect love, then what happens to us is we become comfortable around God. And we know, watch this now, we know that his love for us is so complete and so perfect that it makes us comfortable in his presence. And we're not afraid of him. You'll find with religious people, they're really afraid of God. But once you begin to have a relationship with him based on the finished work of Jesus Christ, when you understand how much he loves you and how perfectly he loves you, he knows everything there is to know about you. He, he saw all your failures from, your, from the first day you were born. God, God knows your whole story. And he still loves you perfectly. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? That drives our fear. So, so hurting people need loving people around them. Hurting people sometimes avoid people while n- nursing their wounds. So the, the third thing we learn about hurting people is that they avoid people. And sometimes you say, well, I'm stage fat or I'm, I'm gun shy or whatever. And really what it is is that you try to avoid people because sometimes hurting people blame themselves for their pain. So, so that you're thinking that you were done wrong or you were hurt because of something that you gave off or something that you, you attracted or something. And really, you may have just run into a person that, or a group of people that are just mean. You may have just went to a situation where you needed acceptance from the wrong people and all you had to give was rejection. Hurting people avoid, tend to avoid people when hurting wounds. Number four, hurting people can frustrate impatient people. If you're impatient and you're around a hurting person, you get to a place you want to say, okay, it's time for you to kind of speed up the healing because you, you're taking too long. Have you, have you been around a person that's hurting and that's all they want to talk about is their hurt? And you want to talk about something else? Are you all out there? Because you can could, you could talk back to me. Have you ever been around people, they're hurting, and you know, you're watching the clock because you're in, the, in five minutes, here she's going she to start talking about him again. She'd be saying that. You see that new car he's driving? Hmm. And it's like, can we talk about something else? That was 10 years ago. Okay? So hurting people can frustrate impatient people. Number five, hurting people 
need healing words. This is important. Hurting people need healing words. In other words, they need, they need someone speaking to them about, about the future they can't see. Someone needs to lift their, lift their perspective. Someone needs to, to or show them something other than their pain. So when you're dealing with hurting people, and, and, you, and how many of you deal with hurting people from time to time? From time to time you deal with hurting people? How many of you, how many of you have hurting people in your family? In your family, okay? On your job? How many of you see hurting people every, almost everywhere you go? In the mirror, in the mirror, yeah. Okay, <laughs> okay. Now, now, get this. Hurt people will sell you out and think they're not hurting you. In other words, a hurt person will speak to you any kind of way and not think that they should hurt you. And I'm going to tell you something, and if you're a person who are, who are called to minister to hurting people, or you've been around hurting people for a while, or you have a hurting friend or hurting family member, you will see that they will treat you worse than they treat everyone else. Can I tell you why they do it? They do it because they know you love them. Hurting people tend to hurt the ones that love them the most. And every once in a while, I'm not, I'm not telling you how to handle it, but every once in a while, you have to let them know you have feelings too. You have, to, you have to draw, draw a circle and say, no, no, you can't do that. You can't talk to me like that. I know you're hurting, but you don't get to say that to me. And sometimes they'll freak out and say, well, you go on. You can do what you want to do. Let them freak out. Let them go on. Let them have their space. But when they come back, you let them know you still can't talk to me like that. Amen? Let me tell you why. What you're doing is you're helping them heal. Bitterness is the, is, is the progression of unforgiveness Coupled with meditation on the wrong that was done. So when a person becomes bitter, what they have done is they, they've, they've not let go of the wrong, the hurt that was done to them. They have not let go, let go of the pain, but they've, let, they've allowed it to, to exceed its shelf life. Now it's to the place where they can't control it. They, they, they're just bitter. And when a person is bitter, it comes out in their conversation. It comes out in their body language. When a person is bitter, they, they don't, they're not even themselves anymore. And when you're dealing with bitter people, you have to be wise. And I'm giving you so much information tonight because I need to. You have to be wise enough to divorce the bitterness from the person. You got it? You can't treat the person like, they're, like they are no good. No, the bitterness that's in them is no good. We got to get the bitterness out of them. But don't forget who the person was before they became bitter. Because I'm going to tell you what we tend to do. We tend to take, when a person gets so bitter that we can't handle it anymore, we throw them away. And then if the people that love them throw them away, what hope is there for them? Amen? Tonight I want to focus on, on one story. We'll get to that in a minute. And normally I like to put a scripture on the board and we read that first. But I, I want to kind of give you some, some um, information up front. And I want to take you to a story. The story is an interesting story of, of how, how life could take a, a turn on you. And in, the, in this particular story in scripture, um, the names are so important. The Holy Spirit never uses the wrong names. Every name in the Bible means something and it's a part of a story. And if you look closely in every story, Jesus is somewhere. He's either center stage or stage left or stage right about to come on the scene. But it's always a picture of Jesus and the way he heals us. The Bible says that uh, the ministry of Jesus, put Luke chapter 4 verse 18 and I want to show you this, that the ministry of Jesus was, was given to us to heal our broken hearts. The Bible says the spirit of the Lord uh, is upon me because he hath anointed me. This is Jesus speaking. To preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to do what? To heal out loud. To do what? To heal the... 
the brokenhearted. And the pain that people feel, the pain that you feel, it's a break in your heart. And it's not a literal break. It's not a literal break. It's, it, what it is, it, it, what it simply means, it's, it's like a letdown. It's, it's, a, it's a wound to your soul. Your, your, your feeler, which is your, your emotions hurt. And, and when, when you hurt, it's hard to be yourself when you're hurting. Amen? And I'm, I'm going to say this, and I, I want to help you. I, I, was, um, you, um, you. I was looking at family, the way families are, are set up. And some people will, 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 some people handle pain differently. Let me put it like this. There's some people who, who can um, tell you a story of their past. They can laugh about the thing they went through, and, and they really and sincerely, they're not hurting. Some of you were raised in families where, where you, your parents were, were, were disciplinarians. That in today's world, they would be, they'll be called abusers. Is anybody in here who your parents were, were disciplinarians and, and they beat you with things that folk just shouldn't be beat with? I mean, come on. I mean, how many you survived your, your childhood? You didn't, just, you didn't just grow up. You just survived it. You, like, you came out with like... <laughs> I mean, you don't have scars like you were dying, but you got some wounds to show. I can show you some spots where my father meant business. And I'm in my 50s, and I still got the marks. And he doesn't like to hear it because my father, my father was like, no, I wasn't like that. Yes, you were. Yeah, your ministry was a little bit, you know, intense. A lot of times we don't think, we don't think that those moments hurt us, but they did. Especially if, if you were falsely accused if you felt rejected in the process, if, if, you, if you're at the moment that you're being chastised, you needed love, they leave a mark. They leave a mark. Where? In your soul. It's not so much in your body. It leaves a mark in your soul. And many of you relate to your parents based on the wounds they left on your, in your soul. Some of you have never forgiven them. Okay. And I'm going to show you something that you need to understand. You need to understand that you were dealing with people who were, for the most part, I'm speaking generally, you were dealing with people who were so concerned about your well-being and your upbringing. They were so concerned that they did it right. Because today we live in this information age. You can Google anything and get an answer. They didn't have that. And they, all they were doing, they were using hand-me-down information and doing their best to raise you. And you were going through these different phases of life. And here you were, you, and you just turned 13, you hot. And mama understands, mama understands that, that girls your age are, are in that mindset can get in trouble. So she puts you on lockdown and she comes hardy and she says that and you never forgave her. But what she was trying to do is protect you. At some point in your life, you have to, bring, you have to come to terms with that. You have, to, you have to talk to yourself if no one else about the way you feel about the way your mother raised you. you, you you're hurt. And you, she didn't do me right. She didn't like me. Could it be that she did love you? And maybe she didn't do it right, but she was trying to do you right. Can I say it again? Maybe she didn't do it right. Maybe she didn't do the, the, the child rearing right. But maybe she, she was trying to do you right and in the process she got it wrong. That's a reality. But now Jesus, when you receive the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says that he's anointed to heal your broken heart. In the places where you hurt, in the places where, where a scar was left, the Lord is anointed. That's his, that's his ministry to you. As you get to know him more, as you grow in grace, what he does, he heals you of that. Okay? Now, that's, this is important. I'm going to tell you why it's important. Because as we go through this, as some, this tonight going to feel a lot like therapy, like a group therapy session. 
Oh, what the well you can. Okay. If you don't handle your hurt, you're going to become what I call a javelin thrower. And I want to show you tonight the story, just, just in part, the story of a man, King Saul. When God called Saul to be king, he was very introverted, he was very shy, but he, he looked the part of a king. The Bible says he was head and shoulders above everyone else. He became king, and when he became king, he got hurt the first day, the day of his coronation. God put him in a position that he didn't want to be in. He didn't want to be king, but God, he was chosen by God. The day he was being uh, um, coronated or uh, uh, crowned king, a group of people publicly in the, in the coronation uh, um, um, ceremony said, we don't want him to be our king, and they all left. And it was an amazing thing that happened to, to Saul. Saul is on the platform. Imagine, imagine maybe there are 10,000 people there, and maybe 100 people said, we don't want him to be king, and 100 people left. Saul did not look at the, the 9,900 that were left. He kept his eyes on the 100 that walked off. And he carried that in his heart because he, was, he, he didn't want to be up there anyway. And here he is, and he's in a position he doesn't want to be in. And they, they put the, the crown on his head, and he never lost sight of the 100 that left. Let me tell you what it did to him. He spent the rest of his, of his, of his um, time serving as the king of Israel. 40 years, he spent the rest of the time trying to please the people. Because he never got over the hundred that left. And what happens to us many times is that we spend our whole lives trying to make up for this little thing that happened. You got, I said it last week, you got to remember this. You've got to be able to tell the difference between a happening, a circumstance, and a situation. Stay tuned for more of today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. Pick up the new release from Stellar Award nominees, Hart Ramsey and the NCC Family Choir, titled True Story, featuring the lead single, It Is So. Pick up the chart-topping release from Hart Ramsey and the NCC Family Choir, titled True Story, in stores now and available at all digital outlets. Have you subscribed to Hart Ramsey's Uplift? It's his national text message service where daily you get to hear from the heart of God through the man of God, Hart Ramsey. To subscribe, simply text the word Uplift to the number 46786. Once again, text the word Uplift to the number 46786. And daily you'll receive a text message designed to uplift your spirit, encourage your heart, and empower your walk. Subscribe today to Heart Ramsey's Uplift. Amen. Now let's get back to today's teaching with Pastor Heart Ramsey. A happening, a circumstance, and a situation. Say those three words. A happening, a circumstance, and a... Now, I'm going to go into detail about that this week. A happening is simply something that happened to you. It happened to you. But what's supposed to happen, you're supposed to uh, get the lesson from it or get, have the experience and walk away from it and go, you know, that happened, but it didn't really do a whole lot. That's a happening. Everybody say happening. But, but what's, what's interesting is in the moment that the happening does happen, it affects your, your, your happy status. The word happening, happenstance, and the word happy, they, they come from the same word. So what, something that happens to you has the ability to affect your happy. 
or your level of happy. That's important. And, and, and that's not, there's nothing wrong with that. If something happens to me or now and it's not too, if it's not tasteful, if it's something bad that happens, it may make me not, not feel too happy. But it shouldn't affect me 10 years from now. Because it's just a, it was just a moment. A circumstance, on the other hand, is, is, a, group, is a series of events that happen. It's a series, of, a series of happenings. They happen back to back to back. That's a circumstance. Okay? Now, watch this. If I have five happenings to make up my circumstance, I could say under the circumstances, I'm not doing too well. You know, five things go back to back, okay? Go wrong back to back. I forgot to pay the water bill. I went down to pay the bill. I got there five minutes late. On the way home, the car got a flat. I called my daughter to pick me up. Her cell phone was off. Those are circumstances. What you're dealing with, all those happening, that's a circum. You got a circumstance on your hand. Somebody said, how you doing? Under the circumstances... <laughs> I just had a series of happenings that made up a circumstance. Okay? But once that is finished, I need to be able to release that. I can't, I can't, go, I can't go out and never talk to you again because your cell phone was off. Everybody said it wasn't that deep. Now, 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 here's the difference between a situation and circumstances. A situation is a series of circumstances. Okay, so let me add to that. So you got, you got all those things that just happened with this circumstance. How many of you got that, you know, uh, uh, had to pay the bill, water bill, went down the office's clothes, tried to call, uh, I got a flat, tried to call my, my daughter or my, my, one of my kids, uh, cell phone was off, and say, hey, here I am on the side of the road. That's one circumstance. But we, here's where it becomes a situation where you were supposed to be getting dressed to go host a party. And because of all this, the party's going to be at your house, but you have no water. Because you didn't get the bill paid. Now you have a flat. and the one, now, you, now what you have is a situation. Because there's more than one circumstance at work now. How many of you see that? Okay. What needs to happen in, the, in those moments is you have to learn how to handle each, each circumstance in your situation. And sometimes, you ready for this? You won't be able to. You won't be able to. And you've got to be good with that. It should not change your personality. When the people come to your house, you should not be Dracula because they show up at your house and everything is wrong. Okay, you, you shouldn't become a monster. You shouldn't be mad with everybody, you know, I, I don't feel good and I, get to, and I get to take a shot. No, it should not change you. And if it does, it means there's something else wrong. Saul allowed the event at his coronation to change his very personality. And by the time God gets ready, matter of fact, um, the Bible shows us in, in, in his reign, we never see him praying one time. In the 40 years that Saul ruled Israel, the Bible never shows Saul praying one time. Never prayed. What's interesting about him is that by the time God has to get rid of him as king, he is so bitter and so angry that he's demonized. And I want to show you a series of scripture to show you um, that if you don't deal with your hurt, you will become a javelin thrower. And what it means is you will hurt people, in, in the closest people to you, you're going to devastate them. How many of you know you don't want to become a javelin thrower? 
Okay, now, uh, look at this quickly. Uh, put on the screen Psalm, uh, I'm sorry, 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 9. 1 Samuel chapter 18 and verse 9. I want to show you this scripture, and, and we're going to roll down to maybe one, two, three, about three of those scriptures. The Bible says, and Saul, I, David, from that day forward. Now, wait a minute. What does it mean to I, someone? Anybody know what it means? Somebody, I'm going to ask the sisters. What does it mean to I, somebody? When somebody eyes you, what does it mean? Huh? You stand them down? You got your good eye on them? Kind of? Watch this. Now, go back up to verse 6, because I want to go to verse 6. I think verse 6 will give us some, some um, insight. Give me New Living Translation. The Bible says, when the victorious Israelite army was returning home after David had killed the Philistine, women from all the towns of Israel came out to meet King Saul. They sang and danced for joy with tambourines and cymbals. Verse 7. This was their song. Saul has killed his thousands, and David his what? Now, now, how many of you see a disparity right there? This is Saul's parade. But the people that are singing it, they're singing, Saul killed his thousands, but David killed his. That's a problem with Saul. Because you have to remember now, you go back and remember, he was hurt at his coronation. He never got over it. He, he always carried a, a sense of rejection with him. And Satan knew it. You get it? And the reason that Saul did not go out to fight Goliath is because he had no confidence in himself. He had no confidence in God. He never got over his hurt. So so now they're saying this song, verse 8. It says this. This made Saul very angry. What's this, he said. They credit David with with 10,000 and me with only thousands. Next, they'll be making him their king. Let's examine the situation. There's a giant in the valley of Elah. Threatening to kill all of us. King Saul, you sat in the house afraid to face a giant. David went and faced him. Maybe the song is fitting. You see what I'm saying? Maybe there's something to the song. But he didn't see it like that. All he saw was, I'm being rejected again. And that's what happens to people when you hurt. What happens if you don't get rid of the pain, if you don't let the Lord deal with your pain, every situation that you get into... Remember a series of circumstances. Every situation you get into, you're looking for the fingerprints. The same hand that hurt you before, you're looking for it everywhere. And so you're throwing people away left and right. I don't trust this person. I don't trust that person because I, I know what's going to happen next. And look, look what Saul is doing. Saul is not only looking at what they're singing, but he's saying next they'll be making him their king. He, don't went, for, he went down the road. If they're singing songs about him now, they're going to make him their king. He's already judging the people because he's, in, he's hurting. Look at, verse, look at verse 9. So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye. That's it, a jealous eye on David. Can I ask you a question? Who do you have a jealous eye on? The last job you worked, they asked you to train the new employee. And when you train the new employee, they gave them your promotion. Now you're on the new job. The new employee comes in. The new employee don't know what happened to you in your last job. They're just there. The boss says, I want you to train a new employee. Now you're treating a new employee like, uh-uh. I know what you're going to do. You're trying to get my job. They, they ain't trying to get, they just try to learn the job. But you're not healed. And because you're not healed, watch this now, you will ascribe behavior to people that they, that's not even in their minds. He 
they ain't no good. They're up to no good. No, you are the up. Your thing is it's you. You're, you're the one with the jealous eye. Man, they, they just. And here's the funny thing about this situation with David. David was so loyal to Saul. David wasn't trying to be nothing. When David killed Goliath, his mentality was, I did it for the God of Israel. Now Saul can reign as king without a giant talking junk in the valley. He was, try- he was fighting for Saul. And what happens to us, what we hurt is the people that are fighting for us, we got a good eye on them. And we think they want something from us when all they're trying to do is get our back. Am I speaking to anybody tonight? Hear the, hear the word of the Lord. Now watch this now. Look at verse 10. The very next day, a tormenting spirit from God overwhelmed Saul, and he began to rave in his house like a madman. David was playing the harp as he did each day, but Saul had a spear in his hand. Verse 11, and he suddenly hurled it at David, intended to pin him to, <laughs> to, pin him to the wall. But David escaped him how many times? He wasn't just throwing the spear. The Bible said he was trying to pin him to the In his mind, he was like, I wonder what he looked like pinned to the wall. Look at this. Let me give you another scripture. Go, go to 1 Samuel chapter 19, verse 10. 1 Samuel 19 and verse 10. This is another situation. Go to verse 9. Let's see can we get some context. But one day when Saul was sitting at home with a spear in his hand. Now, here's my problem. Here's my problem. Why are you always sitting around the house with a spear in your hand? Can I, can I, can I say something? Listen, I want to help you out. If you are throwing spares, if you don't know that you tend to throw stuff in your hand, don't be having stuff in your hand. You know what I'm saying? I mean, why he said, okay, in chapter 18, he threw two spares at David. So it wasn't an accident. He did it twice. Okay, and, and he said, well, I was overwhelmed by this tormenting spirit that God, that God allowed to come on me. Okay, I get that. So what you do is you stay away from spares if you tend to throw spares. Now, 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 I'm going to say this, and I'm not, I'm not playing with this. Some of you are not fully delivered yet from drinking. I'm praying. And you know when you drink, you cut a fool. You cut a fool. Pastor, you shouldn't be talking about that. You're talking about Christian. Uh-uh, listen to me. Hey, listen to me. So you should not be fooling. Talking about I take a little wine for the stomach's sake. Not you. Other folk can do it, but not you. Because when you take wine for the stomach's sake, you, you, take, you get javelins in your hand. And you don't know how to act. So you can't, you can't have wine for the stomach's sake. And the saints of God look at me like, Pastor, I don't know what you're talking about. Yes, you do. Watch this now. So one day David was, uh, Saul was sitting at home with his spear in, in hand. The tormenting spirit from the Lord suddenly came upon him. Again, could it be that the tormenting spirit only came on him when he had a spear in his hand? As David played his harp, verse 10, Saul hurled his spear at David, but David dodged out of the way, and leaving the spear stuck in the wall, he fled and escaped into the night. Hmm. That's the second incident. And then chapter 20, verse verse 33, is another incident. Now, this is is, um, another situation. Jonathan allowed David to go and not be at the dinner because there was, a, there was a repeated act of spear throwing. And so Jonathan told David, he said, you don't have to come to dinner with dad because dad is throwing spears at you. 
So when David didn't come and Saul saw he wasn't there for two days in a row, uh, Saul was like, well, where's David? And Jonathan said, well, I let him go to his father's house to, for sacrifices. And, and so <laughs> Saul lost it. And he called him out of his name. I'm not going to tell you what he called him. But he called him a name. It starts with son of. And, um, and here, no, for real, he did. And, and it says, and then Saul hurled his spear at Jonathan, intending to do what? Kill him. So at last, Jonathan realized that his father was really determined to kill David. Now, now let me tell you what, why, why I read those series of scriptures to you. It's because when, when you are hurting you op- if, you, if you're hurting because you won't forgive a situation, you won't let something go, you open yourself up to a tormenting spirit. Now it's, now it's past, this thing is past um, you just being hurt. You're being tormented. Bitterness is torment. It's not from God. Matter of fact, the Bible calls bitterness a spirit. You got it? When you get to the place where your unforgiveness got you acting out of character, you, people say, well, I'm just tired. You're not tired. I know of tired folk. What that is, is a spirit of bitterness that you have to deal with, and you need to get before the Lord, and, and you've got to be healed. Every Tuesday night, we have a healing gathering. You need to come, not just once. Keep coming. We hope you've enjoyed today's teaching, courtesy of On Course with Heart Ramsey. We invite you to join the NCC family for our weekly services in Dothan and Montgomery, Alabama, and Atlanta, Georgia. For service times and locations, visit our website, nccfamily.org. Again, nccfamily.org. We invite you to follow Pastor Hart Ramsey on social media, on Twitter, at Hart Ramsey, on Facebook, at Hart Ramsey Media, and on Instagram, at Pastor Hart Ramsey. Be sure to join us next time as we continue to dive into God's Word as we get on course with Hart Ramsey.